0: You're listening to Festival Grasp.
1: A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. With your hosts, Mario and
0: Shanae. Well, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. Music industry issues, official advice on how festivals can go ahead next summer. Federal government officially responds to Burning Man lawsuits. This website will generate 90s music festivals for you. UK government to examine the impact of streaming on the music industry. But first, we are meant to gather. Organizers of Global Dance Festival refuse to cancel or give refunds. Ticket holders are angry that organizers insist the Global Eclipse Festival will go ahead in Argentina despite the government there banning international tourists. This report here by Matilda Bosley in The Guardian, Australia. Thousands of people from around the world parting for 10 days in the middle of the Argentinian wilderness sounds like an ambitious endeavor even before COVID-19, but a global pandemic has done little to sway the organizers of the Global Eclipse Patagonia gathering, who are determined to charge ahead and refusing to refund ticket holders. Despite Argentina nearing 1 million COVID-19 cases and authorities currently refusing to let international tourists into the country, the Electronic Dance Music Trance Festival is still scheduled for December 2020. The event has been in the works for three years, with a huge number of fans purchasing tickets before COVID-19. Organizers are refusing to provide refunds on the grounds that the festival has not been cancelled despite there being no way for the vast majority of ticket holders, including those in Australia, to attend. The event, in the category of world-famous festivals such as Burning Man or Rainbow Serpent, promised unrivaled views of the 14th December solar eclipse, an experience of full art, music, educational workshops, yoga, dance, permaculture, and a myriad opportunities to inspire the soul and enliven the spirit. Melbourne student Billy Caldwell, who booked the nearly $700 Australian, about $500 U.S. ticket on a payment plan in January as a treat after three years of working without a break, said this, It's absolutely one of the biggest events to happen. Eclipse festivals only happen every four years, and there's a lot of hype around it. It's like you kind of have to go at least once, she said. It was all good until the pandemic hit. I don't know if I should cancel my payment plan because if I do, I can't get a refund. I would email them and comment on their social posts and they just wouldn't reply. Caldwell assumed that the festival would be quickly canceled so continued paying for her ticket. But on August 26, after months of silence from the organizers, they announced that the Patagonia party would indeed go ahead. But instead of offering full refunds, organizers Global Eclipse Inc. and Global Eclipse Argentina have offered a buyback program whereby customers are able to receive 50% of their ticket price along with the cost of any accommodation and parking passes in exchange for signing a legal document that will release the organizers from liability in regards to the Patagonia gathering. Caldwell says she just doesn't feel that's good enough. If you have the right to receive goods or services to the standards that are expected to be delivered, it's basically impossible to do that. If we're not able to go to Argentina and to go to a festival, I feel like we should be entitled to a free 100% refund, she said. Caldwell did receive a short personalized response email from the company on September 7th advising her of when the buyback program would end. New South Wales resident Mel, who asked for her last name not to be included, she was shocked the situation had unfolded in the EDM hippie subculture. This isn't the community you would expect a result like this from. You would expect this from a really corporate standpoint, Mel said, who sought a refund via her bank. What part of this do you think is actually still going to be realized? It's not going to happen. The organizers are associated with a number of other successful trans festivals, including the annual Symbiosis Gathering in California and multiple Eclipse Gatherings in Australia. In the email sent to ticket holders in August, Global Eclipse Inc. stated they were unable to provide full refunds. We've had requests to refund the money, but it's just not possible to retrieve sunk costs for labor and niche physical assets are not easy to sell in the downtrodden Argentine economy, the email read. Humans are social beings. Isolation has taken a toll on all of us. We are meant to connect and we are meant to gather. We plan to do it safely in the best way possible. We are producers with decades of experience who are 2.5 years into a three-year project. And we've learned to prepare for permutations of earth, wind, and fire. But none of us had global pandemic on our 2020 bingo card. The company noted in another email that ticket sales were final. No refund passes for a rain or shine event. It's not like we were scared of the rain, Mel said. World events have created a situation where we can't do this and neither can you. I don't feel like they should be making people feel responsible for their loss. We're all at a loss. Caldwell and Mel both opted not to proceed with the buyback program. Instead, Caldwell lodged a dispute with her bank the day the buyback scheme was announced, but she has not heard back. One of the chief complaints among potential attendees is the lack of transparency regarding the current state of the festival. Despite the event now being less than two months away, we are unable to find a publicly available list of artists booked to play. Those who still wish to attend have been asked to sign an attendance waiver. With one of the highest infection rates in the world and a death toll of over 25,000 and a fragile economy, Argentina is already feeling the strain without the risk of potentially infectious foreigners attending a festival. I don't think it would be ethical for wealthy Westerners to be taking coronavirus to vulnerable places, Mel said. Argentinians have also been subject to one of the longest and strictest lockdowns in the world with regular internal flights set to resume for the first time since March this week. Social gatherings have been periodically banned and a huge number of major events canceled in order to curb the virus's spread. The festival is being held near the small town of Los Colorados, which has a population of under 1,000 and is four hours from the nearest major city of Buenos Aires. The festival's website also boasts about the site's lack of mobile reception, raising questions of how effective communication would be in the event of an outbreak, and contact tracing. In an email, the organizers note the site is ready to host thousands of safely distanced people. Caldwell said this decision made her doubt the company's philosophy. I think that it really brings to light the question of their integrity and how much they actually do care about their attendees, if you're putting people at risk like that. Lisa Spagnolo, an expert in international commercial law from Monash University, said that if the festival does go ahead, it's unlikely ticket holders will be eligible for a refund. The problem is that the consumer is getting exactly what they bargained for, exactly what they paid for, but they simply cannot make their own way to the event, she said. But depending on which country's law is applied, Spagnola said this could be considered a force majeure or hardship situation, meaning circumstances have drastically changed since the purchase was made. In this case, there may be a legal scenario where the costs are split between the provider and the consumer. Spagnola said documents such as the buyback contract are common in the legal field and a form of settlement payment used to end a dispute claim. But not all members of the EDM community are upset with Global Eclipse Inc. Some, like Yuri Shami's, were happy to let the company use the other 50% of their ticket fee to cover sunken costs. I can only imagine the amount of effort that goes into putting on a festival like that, Shami said. I know that their heart is always in it, and I know that they didn't set out to screw anyone over. I don't feel like there has been any moral wrongdoing. Now, in my opinion, I have been to their events going back to 2016, that being symbiosis and then, of course, at their Oregon Eclipse gathering in 2017. And they, at that time, were very clear that their next three years were going to be spent committed to providing this amazing experience of another eclipse in the Patagonia region in southern Argentina. I can't help but side with the chemis here. And to be honest, you know, I don't think There's an easy solution here any way you look at it. If indeed you needed the money back for your own hardships, that is difficult. And the festival probably should have some kind of leniency towards that. However, in this situation where they are caught between a rock and a hard place, it's difficult to see where this fine line is of them having to borrow money to pay people back and essentially go bankrupt. It's happened this year many times uh, where the festival's attendees have been left a little bit on the lurch and on the hook for the tickets that they purchased. This is a festival that unfortunately cannot allow for the ticket to be used for next year as the eclipse comes around every four years. I think what's happening here is that their heart is so into this that they can't bear uh, to 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 call it off, even even if, even if it seems like they really should. I mean, who are they gonna have come to their festival? They will be able to entertain the locals and potentially people who were already in the country, people from Brazil, people from Mexico. But there's no flights being allowed into Argentina. and I don't see them being lifted anytime soon. The, the country is in a lockdown. It's completely closed. And from all accounts on websites, it's until October 25th, until they reassess the situation. But I don't see that changing. They're being hard hit. And I think the only way is up in terms of cases, unfortunately, as we go into the colder fall months and then into the winter. At the end of the day, even if you could get into the country, but they lift their travel ban you would still have to undertake a two-week quarantine in order to arrive at the festival in the first place. And that's if you were allowed to go to the festival. So you could potentially fly in there, be quarantined, and then be unable to travel to that region. The risk is high. I would take the 50% refund or leave the entirety of the ticket with them. They will bring us more festivals in the future. I do trust these producers. I think they're world-class. I've been to many of their festivals. And I would expect nothing short of a massive thank you to ticket holders with future events to come and potential discounts.
1: Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our Music Festival newscast and subscribe to our Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes.
0: Next up, federal government officially responds to Burning Man lawsuit In July, it was reported that Burning Man organizers were moving forward with the lawsuit against the federal government, alleging in part that they'd been forced to pay excessive permit and land use fees. Now, the Department of Interior has formally responded to the allegations. Burning Man and Black Rock City set the courtroom confrontation in motion late last year, and the suit officially initiated in February of 2020. It's alleged in the high-profile complaint that the DOI levied excessive, unjustified, and unreasonable permit costs against the Burning Man organizers between 2015 and 2019, to the tune of $18 million dollars. Additionally, the plaintiff maintained that the DOI lacked adequate justification required by federal regulations to impose the charges, specifically because these bills were allegedly disclosed shortly before Burning Man took place. With the nine-day-long event requiring year-round work from a full-time team, organizers say that they were compelled to accept the last-minute costs as outlined Otherwise, they'd be unable to use federal land in the Black Rock Desert. For reference, the Burning Man project is the nonprofit organization behind the namesake gathering, attributes north of 90% of its yearly income to Burning Man ticket sales in a new filing which was recently submitted to a Washington D.C. federal court. Defendants including Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt refuted the bulk of Black Rock City and Burning Man's allegations. A significant portion of these denials concern precedent and conclusions of law as well as citations of the underlying statutes and documents which speak for themselves and are the best evidence of their contents on the topic of allegedly unfair permit fees the defendants acknowledge that the plaintiffs requested additional information about the bills but state that the bureau of land management has provided such explanations plus the legal text characterizes as vague and ambiguous Burning Man's allegation that the Bureau of Land Management's personnel, who were primarily responsible for these unnecessary costs and escalated cost increases at the 2015 event, were reassigned to different posts by the end of the year following an internal investigation. Now, the fees in question have increased 1.3 million to 3 million between 2011 and 2019. BlackRock LLC released a statement back in February saying, The Bureau of Land Management has been charging our organization for unreasonable costs related to the annual Burning Man event in northern Nevada. Burning Man Project has been seeking IBLA relief from these costs for nearly four years, and the IBLA has unreasonably denied that relief in violation of the Administrative Procedure Act. This case is our attempt to break this cycle. Now, we all know that suing the federal government is a bit of a marathon task and potentially an uphill battle, but a win for Burning Man would provide, I think, enough relief and sustainability for the organizers to make more of these events come around in the future. Look, ticket prices for Burning Man have already undergone a really high increase and in August of this year, the Burning Man Project launched a crowdfunding campaign in fear of not being able to conduct a 2021 Burning Man. Now, it's unclear exactly how much the campaign has raised thus far, but organizers communicated in September that they must generate $12 million by 2020's end to stay afloat and make Burning Man 2021 a reality. In my opinion, Burning Man is worth supporting, and I know that people will support it, but if you wish to as well, we have placed a link in the show notes. Would you like to be on the show if you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered? Please click or forward the guest sign up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy.
1: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support.
0: Next up, Music Industry issues official advice on how festivals can go ahead next summer. A wide selection of music industry bodies have joined forces to issue official advice on how festivals can take place next year after COVID-19 forced their widespread cancellation this summer. The new planning framework is led by the Association of Independent Festivals, the Events Industry Forum, and Attitude is Everything, alongside additional guidance from the Department of Digital, Culture, Media, and Sport and Public Health England. Covering eight key themes, the document includes a suggestion that festival goers could be forced to wear face masks in a bid to curb the spread of the disease. Under the specific mitigation measures section, it states face coverings worn at all times by all public attendees and front of house staff. How will they be advised of this and how will it be implemented? It also focuses on the suggestion that the track and trace app could be key to permitting entries to festival next year. There could well be an expectation that festival organizers embrace the NHS test and the trace system and other HMG initiatives in their policies and procedures, the advice states. The Association of Independent Festivals CEO Paul Reed commented, Risk mitigation is what festival promoters do for a living. So the intent of this guidance is to outline COVID-19-specific planning considerations that will allow for bespoke risk assessment approaches in liaison with relevant authorities and agencies. The latest advice comes after Readings and Leads boss Belvin Ben said that testing will prove key in both events taking place this summer. COVID has given us a year off, so the innovation for next year is testing. Everybody will be tested, he said. Now, even though this dossier was released in the UK, it's very, very relevant to anywhere in the world, whether you be in the United States, in Canada, in South America, in Australia, or anywhere else that they may have festivals considered to be planned for next year. It says here in continuation... Festival organizers will therefore have to remain agile in their thinking regarding issues such as social distancing when planning for and delivering their festivals in the new year. In particular, festival organizers will need to consider whether their festivals are indeed operationally feasible and economically viable under the existing and predicted social distancing guidelines. If they consider that they are viable, then festival organizers will have to consider whether they will be willing to proceed at their own risk when operating with a potential raft of new and additional COVID-19 safety measures being required. This is really dire indeed because music festivals have a minimum planning time of about 6 to 9 months and sometimes even longer but that's minimum they need to book acts they need to book resources they need to book the space and the land and they need to pay for insurance they need to get a lot of gears churning that's why it's difficult for festivals to refund tickets if the festival were to be canceled and that's why most festivals stipulate that it's a rain or shine event and tickets are non-refundable now we all know this guidance is for the benefit and safety of people at the festival including but not limited to staff, the crew, the contractors, the performers, paying public attendees and playing public attendees with accessibility requirements. I think running music festivals in 2021 and potentially even into 2022 is going to be one of the hardest jobs around simply because it relies so much, not only on the confidence of the attendees and the demand of the ticket sales, but also of the ability to actually go forward without sizable restrictions. And if we're going to go into 2021, keeping festival sizes extremely low, they're not going to be financially viable. We've already covered this in previous episodes where we've discussed other articles stating that small festival sizes could crush the viability and profitability of the festival, which means that they just will not happen now, festivals with the ability to go forward with a 2021 event and also augment that with a well-done online digital presence, much like Tomorrowland did and, of course, the Burning Man multiverse as two comparisons. If you can do that as a festival in 2021, it's possible to make money and traverse the wide and uncertain landscape that is going to be coming in the new year and get into a more stable and firm environment in 2022 and then further into 2023. But listen everyone, if you thought planning a music festival was already an Herculean task, which it is, it just got a lot harder. All right, this website will generate 90s music festivals for you. With every refresh, Monkeon's 90s Festival Generator creates random music festival lineups and posters. Every artist name links to archive footage of a live performance. That is, if they played in the UK during the 90s. Now, headliners are ordered by their present-day popularity rating on Spotify. So, blame Spotify if you think someone shouldn't be on the top of the bill. And finally, UK government to examine the impact of streaming on the music industry. MPs in the British Parliament are to examine the economic impact music streaming is having on artists, record labels, and the sustainability of the wider music industry. Through a new inquiry entitled Economics of Music Streaming, Parliament will investigate a number of core aspects of the streaming industry, including the business models of the streaming companies, how algorithms and playlists have shaped music consumption, and what the long-term economic impact of streaming might be on the wider industry as a whole. In a statement, the Department of Digital Culture, Media, and Sport said, music streaming in the UK brings in more than £1 million in revenue, with 114 billion music streams in the last year alone. However, artists can be paid as little as 13% of the income generated. The government has called for perspectives of industry experts, artists and record labels, as well as streaming platforms themselves. Written submissions should be submitted by November 16, 2020. Whether you're a DJ, a producer, a live music musician, this is good news for you. And I hope it serves you well. Keep track of the story. Look, it's a good move fairer payments for artists for streaming is definitely necessary. Spotify hit $50 billion in valuation earlier this year, and it comes off the back of a recent YouGov poll that suggested the majority of listeners think artists should be paid more for streams. So the support for the artists is here. Now it's time for Spotify to do its part. Pay these artists cold hard cash homie show them the money well thanks everyone for joining us on another week's festival grasp
1: Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify or via your chosen podcast collector. So you'll never miss us talking into your ears again.
0: And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love.
1: We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing to sign up as an expert guest on the show to leave us a question or message or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes.
0: Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario.
1: And Shanae.
0: See you next time.
1: Bye.